death, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get spoiled. You're recording. I'm here to recording. Making a what, film. What is Making that? a podcast. It's like you're recording. What is that? It's like you're recording. It's like you're recording. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. I don't know either. <laughs> you speak about that for the whole podcast. I'm going to play, it's kind of like, kind of like, kind of like, kind of like, <clears throat> LA. Can you say Zarby in that? Zarby. <laughs> Zarby. 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 Oh. Zarby. Why did that police car just say Zarby? Zarby police car. It's a Zarby police car. You better not be a Zarby police car when I get there. You better not be a little Zarby police car. I want to kill all Zarby. My Zarbusian bio. Zarbusian bio. No, please stop. I... Do you want me to cry all my makeup Zarby. off before we've even started? Sorry, Missy and my own. My space, Missy and my own. Oh, the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. Are we? I think so. Wow. She's Beth, I'm David, we're two huge Doctor Who fans, and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with the Space Museum, the 15th ever Doctor Who TV story. <laughs> have you added TV to that? I have, because someone, a pedant, no. a pedant John Elledge, Oh, but why is it always John Elledge? Come on. It's like... Come on, John. Leave actually, us alone. Actually, was it John? I think it was John. I'll have to recheck we the DMs. We just always blame the white men. Uh, the white men are always to blame. Yeah, I'm, John. I'm, I'm, that is very much a joke. Please don't quote me on that. Maybe David will have to cut that because someone will take emails. that seriously. We're going to get emails. And I promise you I don't actually believe that. What has John Elledge accused us of now? <laughs> what has John Elledge accused us of now? I think it was John. If it's not, John, if it wasn't you, then I'm, I'm sorry for bringing uh, uh, blame and shame to your door. But I think it was John that said, um, "Are you? Are, you're saying it's the 15th ever story, but when we get to the Virgin, when we get to like the novels, etc., are we going to be able to say that? Some people need to go outside. <laughs> Some people need to go outside. Not more. you, John. And Doctor Who books are literally my life. But come on, John. <laughs> I don't know if that was the exact, exact quote. I know what you mean. Okay, let's say, I, I do think, for the sake of it, let's say TV story. Yes, time. yes. Okay. Before we begin, please do remember to subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us at Who Watch Podcast, and you can email us with your thoughts on the story or our episodes at thewhowatchpodcast.gmail.com. Plus, if you're on Spotify, you can let us know your thoughts via the Q&A buttons. If you're enjoying our travels through time and space, please do give us a rating on your podcast provider, or you can also tell your friends, your family, spread the word of the Who Watch Podcast, tell your Doctor Who loving friends we are here, and we are... Well, I'm queer, at least. One of us is queer. One of us is queer. We're a great companion piece for if you're making your way through every single episode, and we hope that by the time we get to Modern Who, that you'll be able to just like look, look through our little library. Yeah. Look through our little library and I, of fun. I would like to think that we are good fun for people that maybe haven't seen the stories, too. Absolutely. I know, I know a lot of people listen to us that haven't seen the stories and have then gone and watched them because that we they liked Our recommendations, exactly. Yeah. We're for everyone. Who fan and non-Who fan alike. All people. Yeah, share it with your non-Doctor Who fan friends. They'll understand what's going on. <laughs> we're, for, we're for all people, except for Serena. That's a really niche drag race reference. I don't understand it. Except for John Elledge, because he keeps calling us out on everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. We love you, John. <laughs> I feel like Henry Scampi, John Stogg, would be a great... Um, guest. Guest. Yeah, let's But also on. a great... Um, what's the word? Uh... 
what's the word for like a mascot? Mascot for the podcast. Yes, he can be the mascot. The official mascot is Henry Scampy, John's dog. We should get t-shirts made and give him one. Or a dog bowl or something. Um, <laughs> who, who wants merch? The Who wants dog bowl? Yeah, everyone will want one. I have a correction that oh, we okay. should just quickly go over before we start. So I've been chatting with Simon Gurrier who wrote the book about David Whitaker's life recently. Hi Simon, hi. Hi Simon. Okay, let's do it again. Hi, hi Simon, Simon, hi. hi. Um... Simon says <laughs> um, that, so obviously David and I spoke about David Whittaker saying that the crusade was his favourite story, mm-hmm. but Simon has found evidence that the interview that he's quoted from is actually fake, and it was actually Douglas Canfield that said it in an interview. Okay. So I'm not going to go too much into it, because you should buy the book and read about it. So apparently there's no proof that David Whittaker actually says that. Mm. Um, and I think that Simon goes into detail about that in his book. And it's really interesting that that's sort of paraded as fact. I feel like there's a lot of Doctor Who things that parade as facts that maybe just get passed down yeah. through the ages and aren't actually quite true. Yeah, like um, Mr. Freckleston was having a nice time. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I've never heard that, though. <laughs> that's fresh. That's new. Um, yeah, so thank you, Simon, for letting me know. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading the book. Mm. As far as I know, it's your turn. It is. It's my turn to summarise the Space the story. Museum. So what we do is we give Beth 30 seconds to try and sum up uh, mm. what is 100 minutes of television into a digestible format that we can all enjoy. So Beth, you have 30 seconds to explain to our lovely friend here what is the Space Museum and what the bloody hell happens in it. Your 30 seconds starts now. Okay, so the TARDIS team kind of land out of time in a weird separate timeline and then they find themselves at a space museum where they find themselves in like uh, ca- not cages glass cases uh, fuck um and there's <laughs> it's, it's a museum and they're in a weird extra timeline and they're trying to figure out how to stop themselves being put in the glass cases and there's a Ten war seconds. between the morocks and the zerons wow um and vicky gets loads of cool stuff to do and they're at a space museum your time is god i really actually like went over in my head what i was gonna say for that early run and i just it just went blank as you just started the timer i feel like that was a good explanation though of what happens yeah so is it the the zerons zerons and the morocks yes the morocks were so bloody awfully boring I, oh, <laughs> all right. Like, I think, no, but I think they were supposed to be just, like, really drab, like, annoying. Yes. Uh, boring colonizer people. Yes. A and little bit you of had, that. like, it was basically the boring old men versus the twinks. Once again, the twinks win. <laughs> Spoiler alert. As always. <laughs> As always, Doctor Who loves a winning twink. <laughs> um, yeah, so we start off picking up from last week, uh, and we find out that the TARDIS has somehow slipped a time track? Yeah, it's on a different time track, and they've sort of slipped into, like, a weird side parallel thing. So the the strange things start going on. For example, at the end of the Crusade, all of the characters are in garb that they were wearing during the Crusade period, and then they find themselves back in their normal clothes. Mm -hmm. Vicky drops a glass of water... Mm -hmm. And the water like jumps back into her hand, and the glass like fixes itself and like reverses back into her hand. Switch that, reverse it. (laughs) We almost made it through an entire series. (laughs) We almost did it. We almost did it without having to, without me having to hear that shit once again. But it was perfect. I couldn't stop myself. You, I could see in your face just there that you had been planning that. For no, quite I wasn't. A while. I promise you, I didn't you even think liar. about it. No, no, I hadn't. You liar. I 100 promise you that just came to me just then. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Just quick, you see. Quick to leave. Get out of the front door. Go off you go. <laughs> Get your shoes on. All right, we'll have no podcast to post if you kick me out now. That's fine. I'm sorry to my male privilege. <laughs> No one wants to hear from women in the Doctor Who community. <laughs> Time you went. Great, cool. Replace you with Henry. Right. Sc- I'll replace you with Henry Scampy. <laughs> a Is male that the dog's doll. Actual name? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, things are going weird. Yes, things are weird. Um, the TARDIS team find themselves landing on a planet, which has lots of dust, but they find they're not making footprints in the dust. Mm. Um, they go to a, a museum. Uh, which has lots of futuristic tech, and they see a little Dalek, which is quite funny. Foreshadowing, lol. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and, and there are other people at the museum that they can't see or hear them. Yeah, which was so bizarre. And then Vicky finds an exhibit and the doctor has told her, don't touch, don't touch anything. And she finds that she can put her hand through it, even though it's like made of glass. Oh, yeah. Um, and she's like, so weird. So she's like, what's going on? And then they find themselves, all four of them, in glass cabinets. Oh, it's like, so creepy, isn't it? Like, like models. Taylor Swift's Era's tour. That's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. At, uh, for those who don't know, at Taylor Swift's Era's tour, she has like all of her different eras, like a video of her on stage in, in glass cabinets of all her different eras. So that's the first thing I thought of when I... I love the way your brain works. Um, it's so creepy seeing them in those glass cases. Right. And it, it's... This is, I think, the first timey-wimey episode. Yeah. The, the first timey-wimey story. Um, also, I was really surprised that this wasn't a six-parter. I had convinced myself over the last five years that this was a six-parter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was a four-parter. But it's the first proper story that plays with time, and it's really cool. I really loved that. I was going to say, like, what do you? Fe- how do you feel about that concept? Because I feel like this episode we'll dive further into it as we go but like that is like the base level of like that's where we find ourselves at the start of start like the end of episode one basically mm-hmm. um is that the 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 glass cabinets then disappear because like time is caught up and the TARDIS that has now actually arrived yeah. in time with the rest of the universe mm-hmm. um but what do you think about that concept I think it's it, I found it. <clears throat> I found it a bit confusing. Sorry, I found it a bit confusing at first, and I think I I remember watching this lot like a few years ago and being confused by it. But it just really reminded me of all of the really timey wimey Stephen Moffat episodes, mm. and I was like, I really actually like this. It feels really interesting as a concept, and obviously this is the first time we've seen something like that mm. thus far. Um, so it felt so fresh compared to anything that had happened before. And I just thought it was so cool. I really, really liked it. Um, and I think, that yeah, the main driver of the story really is that they're all trying to figure out how to stop themselves being put in the glass cases. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these questions about, like, have we changed our future now that we've caught up? What do we do to make sure that we don't end up in there? Like, will we always end up in there because it's already happened? Like, it's mm-hmm. super interesting and I think the more deeply you think about it, the more confusing it gets. Like, you know when you think about fixed points and stuff in mm. the new Who, the more you think about it, the more you're like, whoa. Um, no, I really, really enjoyed the concept and what they did with that. Yeah, you're right in the in reminding you of, like, Stephen Moffat, Timey Wimey era type episodes. Mm. The first thing that actually, the first modern comparison that I thought of when watching this was actually Time Heist. So this is like a 2014 episode? Yes. 2014, yeah. 2014 episode. Um, and the Doctor and Clara, their companion, think that they've been recruited by some mysterious force to rob a bank, basically. Mm-hmm. And turns out at the end, it was the Doctor fulfilling a dying woman's wish to, like, yeah. that she had lots of regrets about the way that she had treated her staff and the way that she had treated this particular alien. Mm-hmm. And it was about setting the alien free. So it's actually the Doctor who was, like, masterminded this bank heist Mm -hmm. rather than just like benevolent force um and it really reminded me of that in that that it's all about like how the actions that we the the actions that we do like how does that how does that change the future how does it change Mm. what's going to come was it is it always inevitable that they end up in the glass cages and yeah you've got all the way through these questions from barbara and ian and vicky especially just kind of going, have I done the right thing? Have yeah. I done the thing that's going to set us on the journey to get to the cases? Yeah. Or have I prevented us from getting there? One of my favourite scenes in this is when Vicky, Barbara and Ian get found by one of the guards and they have a, the guard has a gun. It's a little bit um, like, this wouldn't happen, because, but it's television. <laughs> but the guard has a gun. Yes, none, and they none have, of this would happen, David, well, in real well, life. Yes. <laughs> But this particular conversation is like, they have an almost five minute conversation of like, Ian being like, he can't kill us because if he kills us, then, like, if he kills us, then we don't get to the cages. Yeah, it's so interesting. And Barbara's like, well, that's not the future that I want. I want you alive. Um, And he's like, well, if I die, then that means that I don't end up there. So it probably means that you don't end up there. It's, and it's just really like, interesting. How so. do we how do we solve this problem? It's really yeah. quite it's really quite something. And I think also there's a bit towards the end where the doctor is talking about 
perhaps because they've put so much you know obviously what they do in every story is they end up inevitably helping someone you know they've sort of set forth this, this revolution with the Xerons Xerons um, and then being like well have we changed our future through someone else has someone else now changed our future because we did that mm. like it's, it's, it's a lot to think about but it's really interesting as a concept and the one thing that I really loved about this is we spent so much time with the TARDIS team which you know we, we spoke about this last time that this was something we were really missing was yeah. having that key time with Vicky, Ian and Barbara and now I feel like what an episode to really get to know Vicky way more yeah. I feel like I know her so much better but also to have a bit more time with Ian and Barbara before they leave and mm. and just I was just thinking how different they were compared to back at the beginning um, and I think this concept really allowed all of the characters to have those amazing moments. I was going to say, one thing I really liked about this story is that episode one has uh, no speaking guest cast. Mm -hmm. So there are like additional characters, but because they're out of time, the TARDIS team can't hear them and those characters can't see them. So you, essentially what you've got is like what we asked for last week, which is 25 minutes just of pure... Like, the four of them yeah. having to work things out and ask questions and um, show more sides of their personality. Mm -hmm. um, and really get to drive the story as well. Really like, get to drive the story. Basically because there's not really that many other characters, which was apparently because they spent way too much on the web planet, so they needed to, tone, they needed to budget for this world. Not true. No? Yeah, it had the same budget as other episodes. I saw that on... I oh. saw that on... I'm sure there's some Tyler's Wiki. Oh. And it's in the myth section. That oh, was it? Like, oh, maybe I was just reading through and just yeah, like... Yeah, okay. but they overspent. The myth is that they overspent on on other episodes. I and they were clearly like, we've got to We've got to save money. But actually, right. this has got so many props, which I find really interesting. Well, but I still felt like it felt much more contained than the web. Yes. Because what I was about yeah. to say is, having that thing of, you know, with the edge of destruction and having only the TARDIS team in the TARDIS... Yeah. Sometimes having it be really contained and having no other characters really benefits from it because really benefits it because it felt like having them just wander around this place, this space museum set or planet, really gave us a really good feel for where they were and mm. like also really set up the tension of the mm -hmm. story. So I really enjoyed that they that was the whole first twenty five minutes. There's really good like arguments between them. Mm. The three of them are like really I think because they have become quite used to um, difficult situations, they're unafraid to just, like, say... Like, Barbara, especially, is just unafraid to say what she thinks now. She's just like, mm. no, this is a potential option. This is also a potential option. Yeah. And it's really nice to just see that. I also love Vicky either being right or thinking that she's right and then just kind of being, right, right well, I was right all along. Off we go, ta-ra. <laughs> so cute. I think one thing that I really can't get past with this, though, that I just keep thinking about is, like, Ian is so pissed. Ian is really... Yeah. Like, it feels to me like Ian as a character and William Russell as an actor were like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, that's what... Like, he, he gets angry. Yeah. He starts, like... Um, at, there's a scene in the last episode where he starts, like, destroying, like, a random bit of machinery or For something. For no basically. reason. And, it, and he's so... There's some scenes where I genuinely found him a bit scary. And I thought, wow, this really feels like Ian as a character is like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's really getting to him. And I yeah. find that so interesting because Barbara, Barbara, not so much. Like, she seemed similar to how she's always been, but he really feels like he's going off. It's like Barbara still sees the wonder in all of it. And yes, still but Ian doesn't. But Ian's like, Ian's I tired. Will go home. Ian's really tired I'm at this done. point. But it's actually really interesting to see that, right? Because mm. it's also really contrasted with Vicky being so fresh-faced and yeah. kind of excited and like problem solving and she feels really like she's got a lot of gumption and she's really excited yeah. about everything and it's not whereas yeah with ian it's like he's done he's done he's, you he's know? really over it um and so actually i was i was i was thinking i was gonna be super super sad when we got to this story being like oh the next one is when we know that they leave but actually i was like ian needs to go home <laughs> ian and barbara need a rest so they have been They've really been through it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm also so glad we got so much time with Vicky because I'm, I'm really loving her. Should we dig a little bit more into Vicky? Because one of the mm. things I was going to say was, like you, I agree that like there's bits in this story 
where I really feel like I start to get to know her a lot more. One thing I really like is that at the towards the end of episode one, she starts to figure out what's going on mm. before the rest of the TARDIS team does. And it feels like she's very much a girl of the future. It doesn't yeah. feel like she's contemporaneous with like Barbara or Ian, where they're kind of like, hang on, we've got three dimensions. And she's mm. like, no, there is a fourth dimension and time is the fourth dimension. Yeah. But like, surely she's there's so like clever. dimensions within dimensions. Yeah. And she, because of, you know, obviously she's like really good with her, her physics and her chemistry, mm. that kind of like, I guess, fuels the Doctor to see her as a bit more of an equal. And that's kind of, I think, why they got on mm. so well. That's, that's so the difference between Susan and Vicky. Yeah. Is that, which is so weird because you would think actually that Susan if you're talking about, like, a, a young Time Lord woman, that mm. she would be... I guess Time Lords are non-binary, really, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. you, you would think that, that Susan, as a character, would be more like Vicky. Yes. So I think Vicky... It's so interesting, because she's so smart. She's so on the Doctor's level. That's mm. why they love... That's why he re they really get on. You're completely right. Um, and there's that whole thing where she, she breaks into the armoury, and she's so chill mm. about it. She knows she's not afraid... And she's so clever. Yeah. And it's so good to see her as a really, really young woman, really small young lady, like little, little cutie, um, driving this this narrative and, and being so clever and knowing exactly what to do and not being like really scared. And I think she really thrives in the more futuristic stories, actually. Yeah. And the, the stories where it's a bit more spacey. Yeah, and that's like that's quite a good thing in some ways because it kind of shows that they've the writers are considering her character and what she would feel more comfortable. Yeah. The situations she would find more comfortable. And I guess same with, like, if you took a, um, a modern companion and put them into... If you took, like, Rose and put mm. her into a story that's set in 2004, yeah. for example, then, yeah, of course you're going to find that far more, like, yeah. like easier to work, easier to navigate and understand because she's from that time. Yeah, it's really, really... It's, it's great to see the difference between her being... On his like in history on Earth mm. and being you know in more futuristic spacey places. I guess also she sees like history as this unattainable thing, mm. whereas like the quote unquote the future, and we say that from like our linear perspective of like being in the twenty first century, and she's from the our future. Um, I guess that she's like okay, I'm used to this. This mm. is like not boring, of course. It's like a different planet. It's a different species it's, like it's got a whole it's, it's like, like it's yeah done. whereas like if it's if she's going back to rome like her whole thing of rome was she wanted to see the things that she you can't buy those experiences you can't mm. you know you can't recreate those experiences really like she wanted to see rome burn not mm. because of any kind <laughs> of like mal malicious way but she wanted to see it burn because she was like this is a point in history where like I've learned about in books mm -hmm. and I think that that's quite interesting it's so interesting it's so nice to see her thriving in this story when like we literally said last episode we were like oh, I just want more time with the TARDIS and mm. this really feels like it gave us that last little like that last little bit of Ian and Barbara and this amazing continuation of Vicky mm. and yeah I, I really think that focusing on the TARDIS team in this way really elevates the story mm. for me. It really elevates the story. Like and also but having the really interesting like more rock Xeron stuff in the background, still really great to have that going on. But I love the focus on the TARDIS team. Let's talk then about the Morox and the Xerons. Mm. So um we find out that the owners of the Space Museum are a colonizing force that came to the planet Xeron and they enslave the people. It's giving British Museum. <laughs> Why has that just hit me? It's giving British Museum, it's right? British yeah. Museum. It's oh. literally the Space Museum is the British Museum in space. Because it's it's a celebration of all their wars and victories. Yeah. Oh, am I? I'm I'm I am dummy thick. I don't think you're dummy thick. But was it, I actually didn't, I didn't 
um, clock that was it meant to be a celebration of their yeah, so, so oh like, right yeah no I do the remember Zeron, yeah. like, one of the Xeron says to Vicky mm-hmm. I do remember or Barbara I can't remember who but like this is like the place where they celebrate their wars and their victories yeah yeah, it's, it's the British mm. Museum <laughs> which again is such an interesting like political side of it that I don't think I would have thought about when I watched this five years ago or I don't know if kids would think about it necessarily but it's 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 so interesting that it really contextualises how bad that is as a concept, yeah. you know? Because if you say that like that... It's quite it's, grim. It's quite grim. It's really grim. It's as opposed really to what the British Museum says it is, which is like mm. a collection of the world's artefacts and what has gone on throughout history, yeah. which it partly is, but also... But some of it needs to be given back. Some of it, some of it, uh, you could argue, is not that. Yeah, some, some <laughs> of it was... A lot of it was stolen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the British Museum in space, which I thought was really, um, really, a really cool way of like portraying what that really means. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The Xerons are twink-like. With they have great eyebrows. The massive eyebrows, eyebrows. Apparently, the act they were like the eyebrows just kept falling off when the actors were filming, which I thought. I can imagine great. that. I can imagine <laughs> that. I think it's interesting as well that. Um, I was just looking ahead to um, season three and beyond. Um, and especially when we get into like the second Doctor's era, it feels like um, we've just come off the back of a historical. It feels like the historical's kind of very much toned down mm. in terms of like pure historical where there's like no alien intervention, which I kind of, I, I think is really interesting like, with this, with this being like a, um, a very to me, this feels like a very sixties sci-fi peak. Mm. Obviously, all of Doctor Who is, and it kind of led the way for shows like Star Trek, etc. But to me, this feels like when you talk about sixties sci-fi future nostalgia, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of like, uh, yeah. I was thinking that when we were um, when we were watching either the Keys of Baroness or. I think Dalek Invasion of Earth, maybe, mm. and I was just thinking so much about the different con, like you know, all of the different designs we've had mm-hmm. over the past couple of seasons. Like it really feels like such a particular era of yeah of of I guess like yeah like the futuristic what they thought it would look like, and I think the Space Museum is you're right, definitely like a peak of that. I think sure. it's, I think it's going to become more prominent under Patrick Troughton's Doctor mm. because his the stories that I know of his are like very of that kind of late sixties mm. like here's the kind of the reign of sci fi on television. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that kind of we're kind of coming to the end of doing historicals are just mm. pure historicals which i think i'm quite glad about because i've noticed that i don't really enjoy the pure historicals mm. that much fair enough and i think that the thing that i the thing that i love about doctor who and i was speaking about this with someone the other day actually the thing that i love about doctor who is that it's something but with aliens it's something yes. but spacey they do a historical story but this aliens got involved or they explain a historical thing through it being something do you know what i mean like yeah. i i think that's why I like the historical stuff in Doctor Who, so I don't mm. really... I think that's probably why I haven't loved the pure historicals that much. Fair, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think going from the Crusade to this was, like... I've noticed that we go from the pure historicals that I really don't love mm. to, like, the really spacey ones. I'm like, yeah, I love yeah, this so space. much. So I think it's, like... For me, I definitely prefer that kind of 60, 60s, really spacey stuff to, what like, compared to anything else that we've seen. The Doctor in this is so funny. Mm. He's having the time of his life. Yeah, he's just he's being hilarious. a silly, goofy guy. I'm just going to sit in a Dalek case for an afternoon. Yeah, Lol. he's just being silly, especially at the end as well. He's just so he's also he, there's one episode that he's not even in because William Hartnell was on holiday. Yeah, but he's so light-hearted and chill about this actually really scary thing. And Ian's like losing his mind. Um, it's really funny to watch. And apparently they had to. Um, Apparently someone cut a lot of the humour out of the script and apparently there's way more humour. I would love to read the Target novel because apparently the humour was put back in for that and I really okay. would love to see what that is. It's actually really... I feel like the Morrocks and the Xerons and the, all of the concepts and just the stupidness of it is quite silly. Yes. I'd love to see it more humorous. But William Hartnell's performance is like... 
it's one of his best. It's he's one so of his good. best. He one of my favorite scenes of this is him like sat on what is essentially a lie detector. It has like they have this little TV and it kind of like when they ask him a question, they expect they're like, oh, you can lie with your mouth, but you'll, your mind will give you the picture of the thing that you're you're hiding yeah. and he fills it by just like getting the tv to show pictures of walruses yeah it's really funny it's so funny it so funny it, it's such a funny concept because i was like for ages there was just this walrus on the screen like a bunch of walruses <laughs> on my screen i was like what's happened what's here going on? what have i missed and it's like the guy goes these cannot be your friends and he's like oh can't they <laughs> and they're like you're an, you're not an amphibious creature how do you know they can be friends and it's just it's like a picture of him in long johns afterwards it's it just like so, so it's bizarre so random and so funny there's so many elements of this that are just genuinely so hilarious and also i think like the doctor and vicky are quite nonchalant and like lol this is like a they're quite chill about it. Whereas mm. Ian is losing his mind and Barbara's like quite distressed as well. So it's quite funny to see the juxtaposition between those two. Everyone has a different experience. Yeah. Barbara um, being gassed. Oh God, Barbara's going through it again. Again. Do you know what? I really just want Barbara to go home and have a nap at this point because she is Pretty going nice. through it. So um, she gets chased by the guards in mm. the museum and um, she hides herself in the room but then the door either is deliberately or accidentally locks itself. Um, one of the... Um, Zerons finds her and is like, babe, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Let's hang together and hold tight. Um, and manages to return her to the rest of the group. But when they leave the um, storage cupboard that they're in, <laughs> there's just gas everywhere. Like, it'll paralyze them, it won't kill them, but then we'll like destroy the building. And I'm like, okay, so you're wanting the, the deaths yeah. of these people? Great, yeah. love that. It's um there are yeah there are a few moments that where I think Ian and Ian and Barbara are like the worst affected, you know, and yeah. maybe that was purposeful because they were coming to end of their time, you know. I'm thinking if yeah. if Barbara and Ian have a choice to leave, after after events as stressful as this, they probably are a bit done. They'd be like, we're done. Thank you. Know you. What? I actually just need to lie down. Just I need to go spot. back to Coal Hill for a bit just to <laughs> teach because it's more chill. <laughs> I love though that like they don't have to explain where they've been. I know. Been I mean, we can say that for them. We can, we can. Well, no, it's only two year. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, no. I think well, we can discuss that in the next episode. So yeah. It's going to be quite funny. Can yeah. we talk about Ian just ripping up Barbara's cardigan and her being like, "Could you, you should have, could you maybe, have, could you fast before you start ripping?" <laughs> before you start tearing into my beautiful, my beautiful cardigan, could you just uh, ask or do it politely via a needle and thread so I can reset <laughs> it back together? Um. So I love that. Vicky gets to go on her own adventure with the Zerons and help them lead their revolution. She's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'll help you lead your revolution. Barbara is like stuck, getting gassed, and is going through it and needs to be rescued. Ian goes off to help the doctor because the doctor's starts getting embalmed or whatever the process like, is being to be frozen. put in the glass cage. So it's really interesting. They all go on their separate adventures. The whole time they're trying to avoid being put in these glass cases. All the while we're getting the Zerons to start the revolution and the Morocks being idiots. So I just, I think it's written quite tightly and quite well, actually. Yeah. I think it being a four-parter really serves it. All of the main TARDIS team are served really well. Um, there's a lot of humour. The set is really cool. Yeah. Seeing the Dalek is great foreshadowing. Oh, my goodness. And it will always be iconic that the first Doctor got inside that Dalek. So at the end of the episode, we get a little kind of sneak peek as to what's coming next week. And I genuinely, it's the first time that I've gone, <gasps> I know. I was like, oh, my God. It's like, there's a the Dalek Daleks. on screen. And they go, well, we have a time machine so we can find the Doctor wherever they are in time and space. And I was like, oh, good. Oh, my God. It's so funny, isn't it? Because it's it's crazy. Because I think if they did that many Dalek stories now in a season, I'd be like, oh, for God's sake, not Daleks like, again. Shut up. I don't not, want not get, But with this, I'm like, yeah, Again, Daleks. because of the reason, we're watching them all in one rather than week by week by week. Yeah, by week, yeah, yeah. This week, is very true. And week. I guess for, it would have been months and months ago that Dalek Invasion of Earth even aired. So lots of people will be like, the Daleks are back. Um, More Dalek content. More Dalek content. Yeah, and obviously it was Dalek mania because around this time they were also filming the first TV movie as well. So Dalek mania was going off. Something I wanted to talk about before we move on to our segments is that the resolution to the story and finding out why the time slip happened. Yes. Which is, to me, so similar to The Edge of Destruction. Yes. It's basically that our button got stuck. Yes. And I, I thought it was, it was so, it's so interesting because the whole time you're like, oh my God, something, something's gone like crazy. Someone's, you know, messing them about or like, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. And then the Doctor at the end is just like, ah, oh, 
Basically, the button got stuck. He says something like, when you switch a button and it gets stuck for a second before switching into place. And that's what happened. Mm. So, like, before it slipped into place, it caused the, the time thingy to happen. Um, and I liked that as a solution, but it did feel to me quite similar to The Edge of Destruction, which was that a button got stuck. So it's the same. Re- it's the same problem, really. Yes. Like when? When now do we ever have the only example I can think of is in Rise of the Cybermen, where Mickey holds onto a button too long and they end up in a parallel universe. That's yes. the only other. That's the only other example I can think of as this happening. <laughs> so it's really, really. So that's a series two episode in two thousand and six. I'm talking about. And it's really interesting to have this happen in series one and series two now that this really create like the, the most craziest stories are the ones where the tiles about just get stuck. <laughs> I don't remember the last time that happened in new series Doctor Who. I, I, I think it's, or at least, well, Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, uh, um, much maligned mm-hmm. 2012 story. 2013. 2013, excuse me, forgive me. <laughs> um, has a solution of the Doctor pressing a big friendly button that resets the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, but I, d- I don't think there's massively anything wrong with it. No, I also would say that, like, again, as we have said several times, we're watching this in a condensed, sped-out version where mm-hmm. we'll be able to spot things like that. Um, and if you had watched this once in 1963, yeah. and again now, would you remember? I no. don't know. And really, actually, maybe it doesn't really matter what the... It, maybe it doesn't really matter how it happened. It's sort of that it happened that's yes. really the point of the story yeah. and like where it puts the characters and the questions that they ask and all of the interesting stuff playing with time. So maybe it doesn't matter that that's how it happened, but it did... I was a bit like, oh, so but the button just got stuck, the same as the edge of destruction. But I, just, I think it'll be interesting as we go on to see if that happens again because I can't mm. really think of any examples that I've, I've seen. But um, just interesting, this crazy, timey-wimey story that's really, really cool. It's sort of very much has a similar crazy vibe to The Edge of Destruction, which also really played with different, with with the time wiminess and the, and the themes and, like, w- was really mind-boggling. Mm. That both of them are really mind-boggling. But it's interesting that, like, the TARDIS can make stuff like that happen. Yeah. So it's maybe it's a nice ongoing theme, really. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Um, I also love the ongoing theme that the TARDIS just, like... The Doctor doesn't know how to... Um, fly it and doesn't know how to take Ina Barbara so home. It all, the buttons just get stuck all the time. It's just it's just <laughs> rude. They're not painting a very good um, picture of the TARDIS are they for us. Well it's like, it's like the Doctor just doesn't just doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Which I find so funny. It is. Just it's like, great isn't it? Whoopsie. There's way more possibility because it's like well you don't know where they're going to end up. You don't know what the Doctor can actually do or can not do. You don't know what the TARDIS can and cannot do. Yeah. You don't know what peril they're going to get in just because of the TARDIS being silly. Yeah. You know. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting resolution to the story. Should we go to our stars? Let's talk about our stars. How many stars, Beth, would you like to give this story? I would, I would like to award this story four stars. I would also like to award this story four stars. Great, we don't need to have a fight about it. Um, <laughs> I think it just has like lots of really fun elements to it. It's not too long for my modern uh, impatient viewing habits. I I also really like the development of characters in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky in particular. Um, I just think it's quite a smart, smart story. I think yeah. it's good fun. Do you know what? I have the same reaction to this that I had with Dalek Invasion of Earth which was like, this is a classic Doctor Who. This is one of those mm. classic Doctor Who stories, which, you know, I think it's quite interesting because I was reading earlier that this this was voted the least favourite first Doctor story by the Doctor Who magazine That's poll. so interesting. And then recently they did it again and it came second to least favourite, which I think there are so many stories in the two series, we've, like we've nearly finished two seasons now, that are way worse than Space Ray Museum. Ray of Terror. Yeah, like, I... I the Crusade. I think I actually, I think I would put most of the historicals under this first. And I think this is like, this is, if you were to explain to someone, what is the concept of what Doctor Who is? I would, and, I would, and, and, and was like, where did it begin? I actually would probably show them the Space Museum. I was going to say, I would show, pe- I would show yeah. people who had not watched Doctor Who before, who hadn't watched classic Doctor Who before this yeah. story. This I think is what this great, is. I think Completely. it's great for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I 
I think like, I don't know what it could have done to be five stars, but it's definitely like a really strong story for me. Um, um, I think if it had more walruses, <laughs> if, we had seen, if they left all that humour in and they, added more walruses. Because when you see those bits of humour, it's mm. really fucking funny yeah it's really good like, it's the, really well written this guy interrogating the doctor and being like where have you come from what's going on he's just like walruses I think that the Morrocks are written in a really hilarious way as well so I think we should just um, thank Glyn Jones for his amazing yeah script. Glyn Jones um, does a really good job on this I also think the direction's quite good Mervyn Pimpfield mm, directed this one yeah. and I think that again the silent movie stuff like the, the way he's filmed on the set like I think it I think it was really well directed um, and again yeah so my reasoning is I loved that it felt so classic Doctor Who. I loved the timey wiminess. Oh, you're going to say something? Oh, just on direction. There's yeah. a really great bit where they're like, obviously time is like resetting and the TARDIS has arrived finally yeah. on the planet. And there's a bit where they just use like still images of stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And it really reminds me, funnily enough, of another much maligned uh, Doctor Who episode <laughs> from 2013, Crimson Horror, oddly. Because you know when they have like those those moments at the start of the episode. So it's like set in the Victorian era and they have this, um, like, uh, to show the progression of time or, like, things happening, they have, like, photograph stills mm. to the sound of, like, a shutter closing. And I there's, like, a series I literally of... don't remember. <laughs> and then the final photograph oh, is, yes. like, the, yeah, yeah. The, is in, like, film and moving. Mm. Um, and I really like that kind of technique of just, like, a mm. photo 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 and mm. then movement mm. I yeah it's really not yeah I, I think it's really it's a nice change of pace isn't it yeah. it's really nice um yeah i really liked the way all the characters were written i liked british museum in space i liked the <laughs> dalek foreshadowing i love the dalek ending i was sat there it. like i kind of knew that like i kind of knew that there's like dalek involvement in the chase but yeah. i was sat there going Oh my what? god! Yeah, Not the girls again. I'm really. It made me really, really excited for the next episode. Imagine being a kid in 1965 yeah. and be like, "Oh my god, they're back!" Yeah, I, I, yes, I think this was definitely a full star story. There were so many elements that I liked. I'm trying to think what I didn't like about it. I think, I think, I think that it could have been a tiny bit less confusing, but that might just yeah, yeah. Because I, so I was looking back. So do you remember? I've said a few times that the Space Museum was where I stopped when I first started yes. doing a first Doctor Watch. And I really can't think of why, because actually it's really good. So I was looking back at my past tweets, and what I had done was I couldn't get through the Web Planet, so I didn't finish the last episode mm. of the Web Planet. I skipped the Crusade, then I went onto the Space Museum. I found it so confusing that I just I think I just stopped. I also began mm. doing Doctor Who magazine's time team in the same month, and I think I wanted to keep any reactions that I had to the time team, Natural. so I stopped watching Classic yeah. Who. But it's weird now watching it now. I feel like I'm in a much better place to really appreciate it than maybe I was like five years ago. Yes. And I, uh, and I'm, uh, yeah, and I'm so into this era. I was like really pleasantly surprised at how much I loved this. Mm. And also, I don't know why I thought it was six parts. Um, I, I will say um, that I agree. I think if, if it had been a little, uh, just a tad less confusing, mm. um, I got it. Eventually I was like, okay, no, this makes sense. Yeah. But I think that if I hadn't been paying as much attention as I, as I was doing, I probably would have been like, What's going on? Sorry, what's happened again? Yeah, what's, I did. I did have to rewind this? a couple of bits. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think it's a strong story. We normally pick a quote um, from every episode, which is our favourite quote, or a funny quote, or an out yeah. of context quote. Basically, something silly. Um, what What have you picked for for the Space Museum? It's David? basically one of the first lines, and it is uh, great, and I love it. <laughs> it is, uh, Doctor, we've got our clothes on. <laughs> And, the and then the doctor goes, well, yes, my boy, I do. I would hope so. <laughs> That's what I mean about the humour in this story. Like, mine is not as funny, but it just it was just it just made me laugh. Yeah. Um, I have well, I did have two. I think this is the better one. Um, it's just the bit where they go, the gas will eventually paralyse them. <laughs> Why is that? What? Like farting? Like it's like a fart joke. It uh... sounded like a fart joke. Wow. Fart humour, I don't, okay, maybe I don't think one. fart humour is appropriate. And okay. I think that it'll take a man to write that for it to be funny. Okay, well, there's another quote where the doctor Rosemary. goes, I was frozen stiff. Hmm? That was really, also really funny. Mm. Hmm? Mm. It's the way he gets, says he says the most random things mm. and goes, hmm? Mm. <laughs> it's like, do you remember... Um, Hold on, are you really saying that the gas will eventually paralyse them is not funny? I, it, took me, I actually, it took me a second. It genuinely took me a second to be like, really oh, right, no, that's a, fart, that's a fart joke. It's, it's a fart joke. Do you remember, do you, is it like a compilation of like, is it Deirdre from Corrie? And she goes, you like that, hmm? 
No, but someone should do a first What's Doctor that? Burn. <laughs> you like someone that. should do a first Doctor Burn. Which which quote are we picking? Oh, I like yours better. Thank you, that's correct. What was yours? Oh, we've got our clothes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Every week we also uh, have a fun fact. Fun fact, it's the fun fact section of the podcast. Um, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna riff, but you stopped. Awkward. Sorry. No, that's right. But it was all lovely continuation. <laughs> Start as they say on Mastermind. I've started some orphanage. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we bring a fun fact, something that we find usually on Tardis Wiki that is very interesting about this episode. And what is your fun fact, Bethany Axford? Um, well, it's not really fun. It's quite sad that apparently Jacqueline Hill decided to leave during this story. Oh, and on the first day of filming, it was announced that um, that Jacqueline and William Russell were going to leave. Oh. How sad is that? Oh. Which was only a month away from... So I think that they left in May. Mm-hmm. And it, this was announced in like April. So it was a really quick like, turnaround. quite a quick turnaround. Um, Unlike, yeah, unlike now. There were other facts, but I think just the, the facts that I find so interesting are the ones where it's like, and this is when they decided to leave, because so I, I think I already knew this, but obviously William Russell decided first, mm. and then Jacqueline Hill, it took her a few weeks to be like, okay, yeah, I should leave too. And can you? it's interesting though, because I think I always assumed that they would have just decided together, together. but they didn't. Mm. And you can't really imagine Ian and Barbara not leaving together, can I was going to say, imagine a world where like Barbara had continued traveling with the Doctor just for a little bit longer. Yeah, with Stephen and Vicky, it would have been Stephen so random. Vicky, yeah. But to me, I'm like, no, Ian and Barbara belong together. Yeah, we belong together okay sorry um, Ooh, <laughs> what is, um, as Nicholas Parsons would say I enjoyed your challenge <laughs> okay um, R.I.P. Nicholas who's your uh, who's your background character of the week David am I not allowed to say my fun fact oh no <laughs> she said I'm fuck s- your drag sorry okay What's your fun fact, David? My fun fact is that um, uh, Glyn Jones actually um, is one of a handful of uh, individuals to have both written for and acted in Doctor Who. So yeah, later so he goes on to start as Kranz in the Santaran experiment. Um, the other people who have gone on to act in Doctor Who, having previously written, uh, include... Um, Victor Pemberton, who starred initially in the Moon Base as Jules Four, and then went on to write Fury from the Deep. Derek Sherwin, who uh, wrote The Invasion, and also had an uncredited role as a unit commissioner in Spearhead from Space. Toby Whithouse, who has written various episodes of Doctor Who, mm. uh, and Torchwood. Um... He write which one's he? he Did he write the God Complex? He wrote oh, that's one of my favourite stories. I should know that. I do know that. He wrote the God Complex, School Reunion, The Vampires of Venice, A Town Called Mercy, Under the Lake Slash Before the Flood. Oh, and what the, a banger that for two parts. Truly, parties. unfortunately, it's followed up by the Lie of the Land. Um <laughs> sorry, Toby. We all know it wasn't as wonderful. Um and Greeks Bearing Gifts from Torchwood, which is also a banger. Oh, yeah, Toby House is, is a good Doctor Who writer. And then he played a German soldier in Twice Upon a Time. And finally, most famously of all, everyone's favourite television writer, Mark Gattis. Marky G. Marky G. Mark, Marky G. Marky G. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where Jesus that came from. Christ, where did that David? come from? Um, who has written various episodes of Doctor Who, including The Unquiet Dead, The Idiot's it's Lantern, Martin, Crimson Horror, The Crimson Horror, Victory of the Daleks. We don't speak about that. <laughs> Sleep No More. Sleep No More. Robot of Sherwood, Cold War, The Empress of Mars. We don't speak about um, that one either. And has played various roles in Doctor Who, including Danny Moore to the Doctor. Danny Moore to the Doctor. Gantok from... Uh, Gantok <laughs> from Wedding of the River Song. Uh, Richard Lazarus from The oh, Lazarus God, Experiment. Yeah. And, of course, the Captain, a.k.a. Archibald Hamish Lethbridge-Stewart from Twice Upon a Time. God, Mark Gattis has really got his, like... He's really done it all for Doctor Who, hasn't he? Every week we pick a song. To go on to the Song of the Story playlist. Basically, something that reminds us of this episode in however vague potential form mm. that might take. Um, if you want to find the Song of the Story playlist, you can find it in the show notes, um, on our link tree. Um, Beth, what's your choice of the song of the story for the Space Museum? I really struggled with this mm. because watching this, I just didn't... You know, like, normally we watch it and a song just comes into my head and I'll be like, right, okay, I know I'm going to pick that. So I decided to pick Push the Button by the Sugar Babes because the whole reason this whole shebang happened was because uh, the Doctor pushed a button that got stuck. 
So okay. push the button by the sugar babes is my choice. Um, I also really struggled, struggled with this. Um, so I just thought of like spacey songs. Yeah, I went through a whole playlist of spacey songs that I made for a party a couple of years ago and I still can't I find remember anything. that. I, I, I nearly, actually, one of the songs I did nearly say was Time by Childish Gambino. Mm. Um, but then I was like, it's featuring Ariana Grande and I just feel like I couldn't say another Ariana Grande <laughs> feature. Um, um, I also, uh... Thought, I thought I thought of spacey songs, and what has just come to me that's not a spacey song that actually makes sense for this episode oh. is a song called "Next Best Exit" by Flower of Love. Okay, and it's about her like trying to like be, being on like rubbish rubbish dates and like trying to find like an exit out of like relationships oh, or an exit out of like a situation okay. that she's in. Oh, and they're and they're and trying to find the exit to, out. They're of trying to find the exit out of the museum. Okay, that's good. I, I like that. I like that, but I prefer push the button. Okay. So much more. Okay, we're going for push the button. I love Thank push the button. Well, so I thought that what I was trying to figure out earlier is I can't remember, but did we say that song for Edge of Destruction? Because we didn't pick it, so we mustn't have said it. But I'm glad we're now using it for this because, yeah. <laughs> if we didn't say that, that's very stupid of us. Yeah, but it actually works better for this really because it's it's more of like a. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, I just feel like it works better in this context. But, Watch um, us choose us again for a journey to the centre of the like <laughs> Oh yeah, that is pretty... Well, you know, that'll be in like 10 years, so it's, yeah. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um Okay, so I saw the stories. Push the button because the doctor pushed the button and they, everything went... Everything the went shit. mental. <laughs> I think that's a good place to... Fuck off. All right. <laughs> See you next week for The Chase where the Daleks are back. The girls are back. We yes. love them. Uh, apparently, I read to us wiki earlier that this, the Dalek in the Space Museum is the final appearance of the classic Dalek design because they change from the chase onwards. Yeah. Nice fact for you to end that. a fun fact. A, a, a time-travelling fun fact from the future. Yeah. Watch me repeat that when I have nothing to say. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, leave us a review. Please do. If you want to email us, you can do so at thewhowatchpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on socials at who, who watched watch podcast. podcast? No, just who watched podcast. Yes, sorry. And can, we can can we thank? Should we do some thanks? Should we do some thanks? We'd like to thank Reese Connolly for their beautiful, beautiful logo and artwork that we use every week. Thank you, Reese. Hi, Reese. Reese is great. Very stunning. You can also hire Hayden Wynn, who's incredible, um, and has done our music. It's beautiful. I love it. I throw ass to it. I just adore it. So thank you. That's what we listen to in the club. That's what we You know that scene in the church on Ruby Road in the club. Yeah, that's what he's listening to. That's what he's listening to. We have to make that video happen. Yeah. Um, as well with Barbara driving to Vroom Vroom. <laughs> and Susan do hello. Um, Turn that off, Susan. We'd also like to thank the Black Archive, um, which is an amazing website filled with every photo under the sun of Doctor mm-hmm. Who, where you can get the most HD pictures of every era, and we use it every week for our poster and various other bits and bobs. Um, and there's a great there's a great gallery on there of Wasabi at the bus stop that you should go and check out. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're scrolling through beautiful photos in the Black Archive... Do remember to follow us on your podcast provider so that you never miss an episode. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Good night.